0: You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about another genre of uh, older movies. Last time we talked about noir movies with the Maltese Falcon. This time, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, revisionist westerns, and just you know, just in general westerns starting in the '60s. We didn't actually say the word, but basically, we're we're talking about spaghetti westerns, which, of course the best way to start talking about spaghetti westerns is to talk about one of the greatest samurai movie, samurai movies ever made, Yojimbo. So today we've got Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. And uh, then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the remake, uh, the Italian remake, the good, no, not the good, the bad, the ugly, a fistful of dollars. So here is, here is a song from Yojimbo. And uh, we'll end the whole thing on a song from a fistful of dollars. classic movies live the pre-recorded show where we've been exploring classic movies uh and we've been doing it live for us but um jury's still out on whether you guys can listen in live uh so last time we talked about the maltese falcon and we sort of uh explored a little bit just some of the tropes of noir movies and uh you know through through the maltese falcon which was a very influential movie in that genre so I figured uh for this week what we would do is we would kind of uh we we'd take on another genre um which is westerns and we're going to explore we we're, we're going to take a look at a movie that was like extremely um influential on what the westerns we have now I guess specifically to sort of sort of uh pinpoint a little closer what I'm talking about um I specifically wanted to talk about revisionist Westerns, which if uh, if you're unfamiliar with the term, like old Westerns were, you know, you had your white hat cowboy, your black hat outlaw or whatever. So there was one, there was like a clear bad guy and a clear good guy. And the good guy was always very good. And the bad guy was always very bad. And the good guy would win in the end. And that's just kind of how things went. But like, that's not super interesting forever. And as, um, as we entered like the fifties and the sixties, people started to get kind of bored with that. And, um, we, ca- and we got the, uh, the genre of revisionist Westerns where there's a lot more, uh, moral ambiguity to these characters. So this sort of, uh, sort of continues our theme from last week of moral ambiguity in, in movies. And, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about revisionist westerns because they are a lot more interesting than regular westerns. So anyway, uh we're going to talk about one of the most influential wet movies on the western genre potentially of all time. So Pierre, why don't you summarize to us uh for us the samurai epic Yojimbo by Akira Kurosawa?
1: <laughs> oh. Um it's uh it's a movie about a a ronin i guess not a samurai who is a a samurai without a master and he basically wanders into a town uh with no money or he has no money and uh he he kind of stumbles upon like uh a gang war i want to call it between uh, between two like powerful entities in this small village and uh you know there's always fighting going on they make they make a very big deal out of the fact that uh the coffin the coffin maker is the only guy making any money because you know a lot of people are dying every day just because of the the fights between the two the two rivalries two rivals and um i guess i guess the tale is basically the the ronin sees an opportunity to make some money and uh, but eventually uh i don't know i don't know how to say it. he because his motivations are weird, but he he finds a way to make money while also opening his heart a little bit, I guess.
0: I mean, that's a really nice way to say it. It's really... I kind of thought that he just sort of... So he walks in on this gang war, like you said, and he sort of masterminds it to try and get both of the gangs to kill each other and leave the rest of the town alone, which I guess is opening his heart a little bit, but he gets money out of it. So yeah, his motivations yeah, it,
1: are... Uh he he is a very uh i guess i guess this was this wasn't might not have been very common for the time but he uh, in the same in the same vein of the noir movies he he is a very for the most part a self-interested character
0: i would say actually just when when you mentioned that in the Maltese falcon um sam spade is obviously also self-interested but i would say that like i said in the last episode sam spade has like a very strong moral compass it's just like not aligned the way you would expect it to be. And I would say mm. that our character in uh the, the Ronin in Yojimbo has is is pretty similar. Like he knows what he thinks is good and bad, but like it's not it doesn't fit him nicely into a white hat cowboy or a black hat outlaw uh archetype.
1: Yeah, I I I definitely agree with that. Um and I, I wanna say that's even though we don't really get much of anything from the character, I would say that this sort of mystical vibe from him does help the audience kind of latch on to him as, as the protagonist in, in terms of like, uh, we're cheering for him, I guess, right? And we want to, uh, even though we don't know much about him at all, and he, he's not really like. Uh, very relatable character in in many senses. Either
0: I would say that like maybe more so than that. Um, oh, I I already forgot your last sentence. What did you say makes the audience uh, latch onto him?
1: Oh, just like the mystique behind him. Yeah. We don't know anything about him.
0: Yeah, and I would say that more more that the more than the audience latching onto him, like seeing the movie through his eyes makes us the audience dislike everyone else in the movie. As much as we're supposed to, rather than like him, you know, especially because he's Mm -hmm. he's fine, but he's not he's not a very he doesn't have that much going for him as a character. He's mostly just there to contrast the basically the evil ganglords in the in the city.
1: Yeah, which we also don't know anything about either. That that's a big that's kind of like something I struggled with. There's not much um context, I guess, for everything, if that makes sense. And I think I guess they they do explain it, but I, I did really struggle with following along with who like who was on whose side. Why is this side kidnapping that person? Um to me, I, I don't know if I was just distracted during the movie because it I it felt the movie was kind of slow paced, I will say it 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 kind of had that Um, unlike unlike uh the Maltese Falcon it definitely had that uh the the plot um the pacing of like an older movie and that it really took its time so Mm -hmm. personally I had a lot of time like uh paying attention but then also I I feel that be I I because I didn't really get to know many of the characters in general I I just really struggled with knowing what was going on and really caring at any at any point of the story, I don't know if you felt the same way, but like like a lot of points, I was just really confused as to why one group was mad at the other for for doing something. Like the whole like there's a kidnapping plot. There was a someone killed someone else thing. Like I can't even really remember. I just I just know like they kept getting mad at each other. If that makes the
0: sense. the kidnapping plot you brought up is like that's like the climax of the movie because that's where everything sort of coalesces. Um uh, I wouldn't say was it? It,
1: it was more the mm, it, it led to the second act at least, the, the the end of the second act, the downfall of the main character. Right. Right. He gets he gets caught because he uh he it, that's he he feels a sense of compassion, which is something he doesn't really show and uh it, it leads to like a very big mistake that he makes. And um yeah. So like I I, I understood like what if, like, I understood like the plot progression, if that makes sense. I didn't really get like who that the woman was, if that makes sense, and like why, why she was so important. So, like, the, I, it was the details I was missing mainly, and I had trouble like focusing on.
0: Right, right. I, I will say that I did watch this movie twice, and it, it took me, I, I got, I started to sort of connect those details the second time more than mm. the first time, because this movie is, there's a lot going on. And, um, I mean, as you've already kind of pointed out, it's not exactly clear what affects what in what ways immediately.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You understand me. Okay, <laughs> cool. I, I was, yeah, cause I was, I was kind of, I, cause honestly it's a very simple plot and I was like, that's why I was like really confused as to why I was struggling so much with it. It's a very, uh, we were talking about this earlier. It, it feels like a, a TV episode, if that makes sense. And that, uh, like very simple character motivations um not really too much like um development it, it was more like uh it, it felt like a cute little story that that could have been part of something bigger but in this well, case it it wasn't really
0: especially the way that this movie is framed too because at the very beginning the ronin like he literally just throws a stick in the air when he comes to a fork in the road to decide where he's going next and then he goes where the stick points, yeah, and then yeah. at the end he leaves. So like yeah. it, it feels like it does kind of feel like there's something on other on the other on either side of this. Like this is just another episode in his life, and he's on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I, I forgot about that. That's actually really cool. I love I love the casualty of it and all that. That was a that was a nice touch. Um, um, so yeah, I I guess because this is a very it's a very influential movie as well from what I can tell I know I know this is this is generally seen as like one of Kurosawa's best movies right
0: it's also one of the most remade movies I think of all time
1: mm-hmm. so like I think that that's also part of why I found uh, I I'm because I'm not gonna lie I didn't love the movie it, it was it was solid and I can appreciate certain parts of it but I don't think it was. Um, amazing if i it, it felt more like it was really cool for its time because uh f- like from what I could tell it introduced a lot of uh new like a lot of stereotypes that we see a lot and or a lot of practices that we see in movies a lot nowadays so like for example that type of character the 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 lonely mystical uh hero that um that seems to just know everything I feel like I've, we've seen that a lot in many different types of media hmm. and it's a very popular character to use but I feel like this that was kind of like the start might might have been one of the first movies to utilize that
0: I think it was because uh the most famous example of that character is Clint Eastwood's a man with uh the man with no name from a fistful of dollars which is a mm-hmm. remake of this movie uh Yojimbo
1: Yeah yeah and, so there you yeah. go right
0: yeah, so like that's that, that's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to talk about this because like I think that even though this is a samurai movie and it doesn't have like it's not when you're watching it it's not obviously a western yeah. but then uh I I also watched uh For a Fistful of Dollars after this and seeing this movie sort of reframed as a western shows you like I thought that showed like Pretty much every Western stereotype that's, you know, existed since the six since that time. Um, and, like, this isn't necessarily the origin of it, but this and its... But Yojimbo and its remakes sort of popularized those. Because after, after Yojimbo, we got very few meaningful Westerns. I don't know, they probably still existed, but, like, I don't know of any where you had an obvious good guy and an obvious bad guy and the good guy was all good. And the bad guy was all bad. Um, and I mean, that's just the most obvious thing. And then like, also this plot from Yojimbo is just such it's I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen this repeated in movies that aren't actually even based on this. Like, it just seems like such a classic plot goes into a town. There's two rival gangs. He takes them both out. That just seems like such an obvious plot, but I guess hadn't really been done before the same way.
1: Yeah, I will. I will say like the it. It feels pretty clever in that it like despite having a character with so much um um, power based like raw power over these over the the people in the town and the gangs, he he takes a very methodical and thought out a not actually maybe not thought out. It was actually pretty improvised from what I can tell, right? Um, but like he. He basically like chooses to outsmart them at every step rather than um, out just kill them all, which I feel like he mm-hmm. could have possibly done from the start.
0: Yeah, because it's he doesn't want to just go in and clear out these gangs. What he wants to do is he wants them to get he wants to have them kill each other and then take out whatever needs to be whatever's left afterwards.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. I guess a lot less risky for mm-hmm. them to, for them to do it that way, but. I so like I, I appreciate that part. It actually felt pretty. This sounds this sounds like kind of demeaning, but it felt pretty really smart for such an old movie. Um, like, and that's not because like I, I feel like not a lot of uh, movies back back then, if that makes sense, would really choose to choose like a plot like that. It feels very anti-stereotypical um, for the the type of setting that or the type of uh, conflict that it sets up, mm-hmm. and. So yeah, I, I like that aspect. And I like uh, uh Kurosawa. I feel like his his framing and his uh I guess his cinematography is definitely what I think a lot like the least or probably the least well adapted aspect of this and that I I don't I don't think I've seen many filmmakers that are able to shoot a movie the way he is even nowadays if that makes sense. I
0: mean When I was watching A Fistful of Dollars, I don't think that Sergio Leone even tried because Kurosawa's specific style of filmmaking is like so perfect for what it is that there's no point imitating it, really.
1: Yeah. I I will say I I definitely felt a little bit at the start. Um, I I don't know if it's necessarily Kurosawa, but I noticed like he he did do like some of the pretty long takes. with very like uh kind of following characters around a scene, which yeah. I noticed I did a lot in, in uh, Yojimbo, but it felt like <laughs> as I don't know how they shot the movie, but it felt like about after the first, the first act, he kind of gave up on that and just resorted to the cheap, uh, cheap shots that I think Westerns are kind of known for. And well, uh, yeah, and might um, have been because I, I, I'm pretty sure fistful of dollars was like, on extremely low budget movie for like what it for what it was trying to do so that might have been why but i also i don't know uh, on the same on the other side of the coin i don't know if yojimbo would have exactly had that much money either considering it wasn't a hollywood movie at all so yeah i don't know if you know more about that
0: i i don't know the budget for yojimbo
1: oh, okay but yeah so but either way the, the the look is definitely like really beautiful i love how i don't think like Honestly, after this movie, it, it really bothers bothers me in that um, I notice he never used like over the shoulder shots, if that makes sense, in any kind of discussion. And I really, I, I love that because I, I feel like over the shoulder is such a, is such a lazy way of shooting a scene, if that makes sense. And- how, do you,
0: how do you mean? Like, uh, can you, can you explain real quick?
1: uh like what an over his shoulder is or why is it lazy
0: well what what do you mean uh like when you you're talking about when you say in discussion like you literally mean when two people are talking right
1: yeah or, or you oh, have yeah, like right. like a lot a lot of the time especially in like modern movies when i can tell even, even if it's like a blockbuster movie with like you know they have a ton of time or a ton of money to really switch up the shots you'll notice that a lot of the shots of that are discussions even if it's even if it's more than one character or more than two characters, um, are, are usually like over the shoulder, basic, uh, uh, basic conversation shots of uh, like over the shoulder close up, and uh, filmmakers like that because it, it gives them a good way of, of capturing conversation very efficiently and, uh, cheaply. But then like, I loved how even like the conversation shots kind of felt like, uh, Art, art if that makes sense like the framing of it was very was very cool to watch and mm-hmm. uh, even though I didn't like the dialogue in this movie is pretty lackluster uh, I, I I was I was relatively intrigued in that I appreciated uh, the the shots themselves even though the words were lacking
0: yeah yeah I gotta say like when uh, when characters are talking in Yojimbo like they're always framed very deliberately, which uh if I'm understanding correctly what you're talking about over the shoulder shots really don't do um It's a good way to capture dialogue but with over the but like when you're just doing that, like you're not saying anything with the visual language of what's going on you're just you're just getting the dialogue, which is useful for a lot of movies, but like that's definitely not what Kurosawa has any interest in doing in this
1: yeah which which might have been why like I feel some 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 aspects uh, suffered in, in that like he, he sack he really cared about how he was capturing these shots rather than um what exactly like the story behind what was happening in them, if that makes sense. Because I like I do I do feel the story was lacking, but he definitely made up for in terms of the aesthetic and in terms of uh I I, I wouldn't like I think the the way the characters behave even though i don't really like all of the any of the characters specifically i i like the way he he directed them if that makes sense um i i like the kind of i want to say dark comedy aspects to it in a way of of how of how the characters behaved and they they were a lot of them were very exaggerated and stuff and i don't know if that's uh, an aspect of japanese cinema or if, or if it's specifically like a, a kurosawa thing but like i liked i liked the um the the ex- the way that the characters kind of acted in like an animated way if that makes sense it felt like i was watching like an anime in some cases mm-hmm. but every character was obviously live action
0: right yeah these characters were all there was very little they were all pretty over the top but not like not that every character was like a big exaggerated stereotype, more that just um like even even the main character, the the Ronin, was he he was probably the closest the movie has to a blank slate with basically nothing going on and he still had so much expressiveness in every in every shot that he was in.
1: Yeah, I I I just I kept thinking badass whenever I saw him. I don't know. It was cool. I I, I do really like his character, even though um Yeah, he didn't really have much technically. And I I love the, I thought, like, I don't want to go into comparisons between the two right away, but then, like, I I definitely think the characters that were in Yojimbo, maybe Clint Eastwood put up a really good fight in terms of he's a very charismatic actor, but I will say basically every actor in Yojimbo put up a a much better performance in terms of uh, uh, how memorable they were. And- yeah,
0: I would say that comparing the two, in Yojimbo, I had a big problem remembering a lot of the names, which is not a problem that I had nearly as badly in A Fistful of Dollars. However, uh, in A Fistful of Dollars, I had a lot of problems remembering the characters. Like, I remember about three guys in A Fistful of Dollars really well. And in Yojimbo, like, oh, there's the guy with the gun, and there's the two <laughs> yeah. gang leaders. and That's exactly some- how I remember
1: yeah. them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's the mayor. You only see him in like four shots, but he's there, and I remember him very well.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the. I, I watched. I watched a uh, a video essay on like how Kurosawa directs um his his actors, and apparently he, um to to really make them stick out, he he emphasize he wants them to emphasize certain certain movements or aspects of the character, if that makes sense. Um. And I I I can't remember specifically any for like the other characters, but like the gun guy, I basically remember because of how like, do you remember how he would never have his, he would always have the gun hidden under his shirt and his arm would be like with it. So like he would have like one sleeve completely uh, empty, but then he'd always pull out the gun from under his shirt in like any scene. And it's kind of funny in a really stupid way, but it, And I don't really like the character, but it it works in that I remember exactly who he is, and I remember thinking this guy is dangerous from the start because I feel like this gun's gonna come into play later.
0: And um, oh yeah, I like the little aspects like that. Let's see. Then there's then there's the bodyguard himself, the Ronin who like whenever he's not doing anything else, he'll just shrug his shoulders and like Mm -hmm. do that a bunch. Then there's one. I think he's the first guy that he meets when he comes into the town. He's this guy who just like instead of walking, he only jumps around a lot and has and speaks oh, with a really yeah, high yeah. voice. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't
0: remember, I think he. I think his job is to call out the time or something. I don't remember exactly what he does, but he's just, he just sucks. And like, that's basically his character. And Akira Kurosawa, he must have just told him like, alright, your character sucks. <laughs> Communicate that with every fiber of your being.
1: Yeah, well, honestly, a lot of the a lot of the characters are just assholes in this. I only really like the bartender. Um, and I guess that was shared. I think that was on purpose because he's the only, he's the only character. He was one of the only characters the main, the, the Ronin actually uh, seems to care for, if that makes sense. And that uh, the bart, or I guess not a, but bar- he's not a bartender in this. He's a, a restaurant owner or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he's the only one that believes that the Ronin is, like, a good guy or kind of sees him for who he really is. So. Yeah,
0: and more importantly, like, he shares he shares the Ronin's belief that two bosses, that both bosses are really bad for this town. Like, the restaurateur isn't interested in siding up with either of them. He thinks they're both bad, which, like, yeah. even, even any other... Any, ah. Some of the other characters are, like, probably would admit that... You know, the town is in a really bad situation, but they're still willing to like pick a side just to be on the winning side.
1: Just in case. Yeah. And the, the guy, that the restaurant guy refuses. And I guess he's the, he might be the only one with a character arc, unless you, maybe the Ronin, because he, he eventually shows he kind of cares for the, the restaurant guy. But it, it kind of goes from him not believing that the town could ever be saved to him having hope for the future, which was a, uh, I guess a cute arc for him, and that that's that's basically like the whole. It's a very very simple plot, and um, I guess I can kind of see why. Uh, I remember hearing George Lucas was very inspired by Kurosawa, and I can see the the influence at least on like a New Hope in terms of how how ba- how really basic the plot is and the emphasis on uh, I guess the characters.
0: Yeah, um, and. I don't think Yojimbo is maybe, well, in in Yojimbo, the emphasis is all on the side characters. And, you know, in Star Wars, there's Luke gets a lot to do as well. But also like that has always been a pretty big strength of the Star Wars movies is that the side characters are all at the very least memorable. And like at, at most have a lot going on. Like people remember Wedge and Biggs and they're in the movie for what <laughs> yeah.
1: 2 seconds? Yeah, and they don't they don't do anything specifically but like I, I I I I smile whenever I see them on screen and stuff like that. I don't know if that's because... I might be just because I'm a Star Wars fan, but uh they they are very memorable characters and I couldn't really tell you why. So that that might have been something George picked up from Kurosawa. Especially I'm going to say the cor- the really corny action I don't know if this was just how action or like thrilling movies was done in the past, but there were some really silly scenes in Yojimbo. Like, like the way he, the way he escapes getting beaten was basically he hides in a, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he hides in a trunk, right? In, In the room he's being held in. And they assume he's escaped when they come into the room and see he's not there anymore.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: And he, be- and then he basically crawls his way out, out of the entire place with no one seeing him. And, like, I, again, like, yeah, that, that doesn't age very well, but I guess I can appreciate within the context of the movie that, like, I I don't, I feel like I'm not supposed to take this movie very seriously. And uh, so something like that is, is, like, I guess okay, even though it, it really is a stupid and also- way of escaping conflict
0: i'm pretty sure that one of the points that akira kurosawa was trying to you know get at here is that the rival gangs are composed of buffoons and like they're not portrayed as you know blithering idiots but they're also not supposed to be very smart so you know just hiding under the floorboards or hiding in a trunk would in would uh you know be a good way to get away from them because they're not that smart and they mostly just want to do their own thing this guy is a Mm. problem for them but like they're not going to go way out of their way to find him because they've never had to do that before
1: that's true okay i hadn't really thought of it that way before he's he's really the first source of true conflict that they've had to deal with
0: yeah, there's a gang war going on, but the one time that they actually fight, and, you know, I say that in heavy quotes, it's them, like, standing across from each other, rattling their swords, and, like, everyone is too scared to actually attack, and then someone comes... And then, like, some dude on a horse rides in and says, everybody, pretend everything's normal, and they're like, oh, we, we'll get you next time. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they don't actually... They're not used to being threatened in any major way. And then this guy comes in and is actually actually wants to tear them down, which is not something they're used to.
1: Mm -hmm. I I would I would definitely like kind of resemble them to the Empire and how and how almost comically stupid they are, at least stormtroopers. Mm. But um, yeah, I guess it, it I guess it does add to the plot like because i i don't think the whole manipulating both gangs like that would be really believable if if, unless they were really that stupid and then it's kind of a stretch but
0: if these gangs were gangs of the caliber of like the the gangs of new york in the godfather (laughs) then like he's dead the moment he walks into town yeah yeah these are just like this is the sake, the guy who runs the sake shop and his friends and the guy who runs the silk shop and his friends, and they both got too big for their britches. Like
1: mm-hmm. this
0: is a very small town, small town conflict and they're not supposed to be, none of them are masterminds. They're just rich enough to get their way and yeah. pissed off enough at each other to be pissed off, but not anything more.
1: hmm yeah. Also, the the last thing I want to really point out is the. I guess this is also kind of a comparison, but I love the subdued violence in this. It's not the the sword play, I guess, uh, and the act of killing isn't really glorified at all, like it is in a lot of Western movies. It's very simple. All, all the action, all the action scenes are very precise and like over immediately, like it's they're very very short, and I liked I like that in comparison. <laughs> With a uh, a fistful of bullets, I think, or was it bullets? Fistful of bullets. Is that was fistful called? of dollars. Dollars, yeah, okay. Um, where I guess it's because it's a western, but the the action is extremely glorified to a really unnecessary point, um, and it's really poorly shot. Whereas this was like, like it didn't necessarily look believable. Like a lot of the, a lot of him cutting people looked like he was like play fighting with them. But I, I, liked, I liked how, uh, like, it, it was over quickly. The camera was really steady, and it just showed it all. Didn't really try to, it, it was kind of omnipresent in that it didn't really invade or try to get into the fight. It was just like, okay, this fight is happening, and the camera's here watching it. So uh, I, I liked that. It, it kind of made everything feel very real, and also kind of, uh, I think it, it, it looks at the acts of violence as like, uh not not very joyful if that makes sense I unnecessary that, uh, but something that had to happen
0: i i'll go into it a little more later but i actually think that a fistful of dollars does this as well but a little bit differently like neither of these actually glorify violence but the way they go about not glorifying violence is quite different like okay. in yojimbo none of the violence looks cool and it's not supposed to and like most of the time most of the time when he's taking out people, he just runs in, like, hits them with his sword, which is clearly a prop sword, and, like, does that a couple of times to everyone and then runs out. And it looks like he's just sort of, like, tapped everybody with a club a bit, which is <laughs> yeah. which is, which is fine. But, like, that's the thing is, this isn't a cool sword fighter. At least, I mean, it doesn't look like it. Not in this movie.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm also willing to guess that's how a lot of, actual uh sword fights happened and that they were probably over very quickly and not these largely dramatic fights that a lot of people see
0: like not only Uh, over very quickly but also like not very impressive to watch either
1: yeah (laughs) it's it kind of reminded me of like watching those like when you see like a fight on youtube or something like like a real fight it honestly looks so lame (laughs) compared Compared to a movie, because it, it's just it looks like a bunch of people just squirming to like it look. People look like children, I guess, and in a way, that's kind of how uh, *Yojimbo* made the fighting look. So, there you go. I that that was an interesting aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. But it also sort of emphasizes that the movie is really not about the fighting because there wasn't that much of it. It wasn't very interesting, and like they intentionally. Uh, Kurosawa intentionally emphasized basically everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, that that's the thing is like it, it was a very cinematic thing except for the fighting actually. So it's uh I I kind of like the message that was sent through that. Mm. Um, yeah, anyways, you want to move on to Fistful of Dollars?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um this movie was remade within like 3 years as uh, Sergio Leone's first western if I remember correctly. The first collaboration of his with Clint Eastwood, which that is an iconic duo. And also the first time that Ennio Morricone, I believe, ever uh, scored a Western as uh, anyway. the I forgot if I said the name, but it's A Fistful of Dollars, which we've already said a couple of times. They are these are the same movie like A Fistful of Dollars is it's almost insulting to say it's an it's an adaptation Or it's it's not (laughs) like that's the thing is there are so few changes that it's it's barely even a remake like it's it's just a ripoff.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't really say the the few changes I noticed were like any made the movie any better. It was just kind of different. And I I feel like it didn't really. Oh, like I might my goal for like if something's going to be adapted I feel like there has to either be something different or you're doing the same thing, but better, basically. And I don't really feel like A Fistful of Dollars did either, other than I guess its goal was more to revitalize the the, the, Western, the Western movies, of, of the, or the Western genre, at least at the time. And I guess it did its job in that sense, but I don't really feel the movie brought much new to the table.
0: It definitely, so, like, it just took Yojimbo and it put it into the context of a Western, which, like, all the elements are already there, but just by reframing it that way, I think that's where most of the influence of A Fistful of Dollars comes in, because while Yojimbo is massively influential on the modern Western, A Fistful of Dollars is probably technically more influential in that, like, that's what sort of took all of these tropes and put them into a western for people that couldn't already immediately see it.
1: Yeah, it, I will say watching *Yojimbo*, um, it definitely felt like it was begging to be made into a, into a western movie. Uh, mm. So I guess I can't. The, the there's a there's a saying I, don't, I can't remember who it's by, but it's like a good artist was a good artist. Um, Oh, crap. I don't even remember. Basically, great artists steal. And that's yeah. kind of what Sergio Leone did here. Even though I guess uh, they got sued by the, the Japanese studio f- and they came to an agreement over some sort of payment. What's interesting is,
0: uh, is uh, I think, I don't remember when A Fistful of Dollars finally released in the U.S. I think it was 1966, which is interesting specifically because the, A Fistful of Dollars had two sequels by the time it released in the U.S.,
1: Oh really? Was it uh they were made that quickly, huh? Wow, that's crazy.
0: Well, yeah, because a fistful of dollars was made in 1964. Uh, and then a few dollars more for a few dollars more came out in '65. And the final one, which was called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, came out in nineteen sixty-six. But a fistful wow. of dollars actually never released in the United States until 1967 because they were caught up in that lawsuit.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, either way, it's a it's a pretty, an original movie. But there are some there are some aspects that I, I enjoyed in terms of the like I liked the, I liked the showdown parts of it. I thought they were pretty, pretty cool. I guess it's the very classic. I don't know if this is a Western thing, or a Sergio Leone thing. But I love. I always love uh, stare downs. I guess. I don't oh know if that, yeah. Is that or standoffs or something like that? Yeah, um, standoffs. Yeah. Especially when you get the sur- or the Ennio Morricone score underlying it. Those are always really fun to watch, no matter what.
0: Oh yeah. And- the standoff in the good, the bad, and the ugly. The three-way standoff at the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly is probably like the most iconic of all time. And mm.
1: it's
0: mostly the most iconic of all time because it has Ennio Morricone's score behind it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to to keep well, it was a it was like a five minute standoff, right? And, oh, at least. Yeah. And literally, how do you how do you keep that going and make it interesting without an amazing score underneath it? And that was probably mm-hmm. that's probably his most well known score and one of the mm-hmm. best of all time, probably. Or and definitely I would say so.
0: that I would say that also uh, that is the best aspect of a fistful of dollars to me as well is just Ennio Morricone's score mm-hmm. like his score is so much akira kurosawa whoever was scoring his movie uh i can find that out did fine uh that's masaru sato sato uh he did he did great it fit the movie well but like mm-hmm. you can't beat an ennio morricone western score
1: yeah I, I will say the i think the the different the different score types of score really highlighted uh the difference in how and how the movies were treated and that I, I, f- I definitely feel Yojembo was verging on a, a comedy, if that makes sense. Whereas, and the music was a lot, to me felt a lot more playful mm-hmm. and uh, minimal. Whereas uh, the the score for A Fistful of Dollars was was definitely, like, I, I wouldn't say insanely epic, but it, it added more layers to it and it was a, a lot grander than the score in Kurosawa's movie. And I, I think that was reflected in that uh, a fistful of dollars definitely takes the, the story a lot more seriously.
0: Yeah. I would say that um, it really, that because these characters are so close to blank slates as well, the, the music really fleshes out their character a lot. Like in Yojimbo, um, you know, there wasn't a lot to the Ronin and um by the end, because of the score that he's associated with, he comes across as like, I mean, he he comes across in a certain way. Like he's, he seems like a pretty smug. Yeah. He's a good guy, but like, he also kind of, he, he, he kind of feels like a guy who wasn't even supposed to be there that day. If you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like he's, he's there kind of despite himself where in a fistful of dollars, the man with no name Thanks to Ennio Morricone's score, even though he's an anti-hero and he's not depicted as someone who's wholly good, he's depicted as like this mythical legendary like the 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 score ends up sort of making him into this mythical legendary legendary hero, even though, you know, he's he's literally no different than the Ronin at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 little uh that I guess that Honestly, that's probably the biggest difference is the score. So, like, prop, props for the for the originality in that, I guess. And uh, another another definite highlight, or I guess to me, like probably the only other real highlight was was Clint Eastwood's. I want to say that this was his first big movie, right? A relatively big movie. And he might he was in movies before this. I think this was his breakout
0: role. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, either way, the. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say he was as cool as, as the Ronin from Yojimbo, but or maybe OK, I wouldn't say cool, but I, I wouldn't say the, the performance and the character was as well done. But Clint Eastwood, from what I can tell, was was did an insanely good job, I want to say almost despite the direction. And um, he he definitely solidifies himself as like a force to be reckoned with in terms of uh, like how much screen, because I wouldn't necessarily say his acting is that great in this movie. He's no, not he
0: actually doesn't do very much, but he's just really yeah. charismatic. <laughs> he,
1: he basically walks around with the same face the whole movie. you kind of like the the classic scowl that he kind of has on. And hmm. and it, it, it really works. I, I mean, like he, he steals every scene he's in. And it, it really made me buy into the character personally. It's, so, yeah.
0: It's interesting because, like, the Ronin, I remember him because he's a very good performance despite having not that much going for his character. Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood is actually not nearly as good of a performance as uh, Toshiro Mifune as the Ronin. but And also doesn't have much going for his character. But I still remember him because... I don't know, he's charismatic. It's weird. There's not nearly he's he's actually worse than Toshiro Mifune. His performance is worse than Toshiro Mifune's in every way, but he comes across as equally iconic.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely I think the I I I kinda wanna say it's just a, a slightly different take in that I feel like the Ronin was mm, I, like more more human if that makes sense I, I clint eastwood's clint eastwood's character felt like almost like he wasn't human in a lot of ways like he he didn't he, he didn't act like a regular or he didn't really seem to have any any actual emotion um he, he almost felt like a force of nature in this movie and i wouldn't necessarily like say in any way that that's better but i it was a slightly different take from what I can tell, like the from Yojimbo, Jimbo, it, it felt more that he was just a a normal guy, but who was very talented in in the art of killing and manipulation.
0: Right. So, Where, yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas Clint Eastwood, I guess, yeah, is more like a mystical legendary character. Mm-hmm. And uh, but other than that, I I don't feel that the I I definitely like I. One aspect I did love a lot about surprisingly that I loved a lot about Yojimbo was the black and white. I, I noticed that this, despite the black and white it, it it I I could really feel all the colors if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um this movie I obviously cuz it was shot for very cheap but like the the colors were really really bad and the the whole thing looked very just murky and just not good looking. There's there's some cool shots but it, I think um, it was not a good-looking movie at all, and I I want to say that's kind of because they they were attempting to do more than they could with their budget, which is respectable, but it didn't really work as well as I think they would have liked.
0: And also, I think uh, I think that kind of illustrates different directing approaches between uh, Sergio Leone and um, Akira Kurosawa as well, because. I remember reading somewhere that Akira Kurosawa, he only made four films in color. And he was like, by the time Yojimbo came out, color was a thing. You could make a movie in color, even in Mm -hmm. Japan. I don't know that there's any difference about that, but like, you could totally do it. There's no reason you couldn't. But he only made four in color because like, Kurosawa was a very, very visual director, which I definitely think comes across in Yojimbo. And so he was like, if I'm going to have color in my movies, like, that needs to mean something. Like, I need to master color theory before I can do this. So, you know, he made Yojimbo without color basically because, among other things, color was a distraction. Like, he wanted to make sure that you felt every shot Mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, how many colors were in it.
1: Yeah, especially Um, seeing that he 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 feels like such a perfectionist with, like, each and every shot specifically planned out to look mm. as good as possible, uh, I can definitely see why color wouldn't be that appealing to him because that's just a whole nother layer that he has to pay attention to, to make yeah. sure that his movie keeps up the the visual um, aspect that he cares about so much.
0: And I don't think it would have helped *Yojimbo*. Like there, no. there the colors, like you said, I can feel what colors things are supposed to be, and that's good enough because mm-hmm. you know. Any extra color would honestly just be distracting. It would just end up looking like an old movie, which yeah, yeah. it and somehow kind of doesn't.
1: Happen- <laughs> well, that's what that's kind of what happened in a fistful of dollars. The it definitely hasn't aged as well uh, because because of that aspect. And um, yeah, I, I also the I want to I want to say it, it felt like it felt like the a fistful of dollars was shot in like a week or two. Like it feels very off the cuff and like almost improvised, if that makes sense. Whereas, uh, whereas your Jimbo does does feel a lot more planned out. Obviously, because um, the uh, Kurosawa cares a lot so much about about that visual aspect. But uh, it, yeah, it it just it felt Fistful all, it always just felt really cheap to me in a lot of ways, and it wasn't just that; it was also the some of the some of the. The audio cues were really off-putting. I remember in that there's this one scene where this guy uses the machine gun to basically kill a whole ton of guys. I want to say it's like thirty minutes into the movie, and <laughs> they use the same horse, the horse neigh sound like five times in a row, and it's and it's so obvious. I want to say they use the same shot a couple times too of people dying, and it's stuff like that that it, it feels a little like they were they stitched a lot of it together in the editing room.
0: Um, So uh, what you're saying there, I I unfortunately can't say whether or not, you know, you're right about it being stitched together in the editing room. I don't know enough about the development of this movie, but I will say that like, when you bring that up, you know, the, the machine gun scene, that's an example of, that's an example of what I was talking about earlier with um, Sergio Leone's approach to not glorifying violence for the time, A Fistful of Dollars was really, really brutal. Like, that's not how violence was depicted in Westerns. It was usually much more glorified. Like, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was exactly shown, but the, the deaths of the bad guys were, you know, these great moments, stuff like that. In this, anytime someone is shot down, you see the whole thing and like, uh, I think the first time I watched a video where someone pointed out the first time that uh, um, that Clint Eastwood's character uh, brings out his gun and kills three guys, you see everything from the point of view of the gun. And like as he's shooting, it's just an uninterrupted shot of him shooting all these people and them all getting hit, which is <laughs> very brutal for the time. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say
1: okay i can i can see so basically they they showed how raw they instead of uh going one way where they show it's simplistic it showed the other way where it's just really raw and kind of almost disgusting with how much like killing is going on
0: yeah and i guess guess, looking back looking back on it it does look like glorifying violence because in movies today and in Shows today when they want to show, when they want to glorify violence, that is a popular tactic, is just like show really over the top yeah. excessive violence. But at the time, that was really more of a deterrent because it's like, oh, this is what it actually looks like when someone gets yeah. shot down. And of course, it's not. But compared to the West, compared to, you know, you see the other guy fall over, it's a lot more raw okay
1: i can see that i i i think the some some of the the scenes i i can see it's exaggerated but then i still don't like the i think they were overly long in a lot of cases too the 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 scene where they're they're, they set the apartment on fire and a bunch of people are running out i think like it's like okay we get the idea they're shooting everyone that's leaving the building but that, that went on for like a minute of just like people leave people get shot people leave people get shot yeah,
0: actually, that is a, you know, almost shot for shot remake of a scene from Yojimbo, which is communicated so much better because uh, the guy with the gun in Yojimbo, um, like, you it just, we don't see anyone set the fire, I don't think, but there's, there's a fire happening and it's kind of implied who sets it and it's implied mm-hmm. that it was the guy with the gun and his gang and, like, all that you see of that shot is like, you don't you don't see people running out and them get, all getting shot. You just see the dude with the gun smiling as the camera sort of pans to focus more on the building, but always mm-hmm. keep him and his sinister smile in shot, which is just so much more menacing than a building's on fire and people are dying as they come out.
1: Yeah, and especially with the whole, there's a lot of jump cuts of like uh, a shot and then you, you get the cut of someone falling down uh in like half like half second shots basically and it's kinda jarring and not very in my opinion not very uh fun to look at or cinematic or and doesn't really add anything to the story. So uh there, there's like like a little things like that I I don't like that much. Especially when oh. compared to Yojimbo. So
0: Yeah. Um so at the time a fistful of dollars was panned by critics for being like just sort of a lazy Western that incorporates all the Western tropes almost to the point of parody. And mm-hmm. like, I would agree that it incorporates all of those tropes. And I think that like, that's kind of where those shots come from because when I think of Westerns, one classic thing is just like, some something's happening to a building or someone's getting shot. And then you get a, a, a jump cut to someone like falling out of a building. And then you jump back to the other stuff. And then you jump to someone else falling out of a building. Stuff like that, like those are those are Western shots for me, but also they really
1: are. I I recognize that style.
0: Yeah, so I have a few, and I kind of think that a a fistful of dollars does that intentionally. Uh, I don't know how effective it ends up being, but I think that a fistful of dollars is trying to it's trying to subvert those tropes, and this is. I don't know if this is the directorial debut of Sergio Leone. It's his first Western. So like, I think he wanted to make what he saw the Western, the, uh, he wanted to make his version of what he saw when he saw Western. And so like he incorporated all the tropes he put in. He also clearly wanted to make his version of Yojimbo. So he recreated Yojimbo shot for shot. And then, um, you know, he put this out because this is what he sees when he sees Westerns. And his Westerns, upon like looking back on them, are actually more raw than the Westerns of the time and quite different in a few very specific ways that probably would not have been immediately obvious to people watching them in a market that was already flooded with Westerns.
1: Yeah, I. that's why I'm kind of confused... Why specifically was, was it because the good, the bad and the ugly was like, so I still haven't seen it, but I, I know I've heard that movie is like just another level on another level of, of movie compared to the first two, I think
0: is something and, else. that is a, an incredible movie.
1: Yeah. So like, I want to say this movie is, is recon- is more recognized and praised because of its connection in that there's it's like a loose trilogy but like i can't think of any other aspects for why this movie specifically especially after being panned at first would be later would later be so well received
0: well i think it's it's so well received because um at least in part you know i mean we talked about this last time critics don't actually always get it right and I'm not saying that the critics were wrong in saying that a fistful of dollars is not a five out of five movie. I definitely wouldn't give it a five stars out of like, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 either. But like when other filmmakers who were making Westerns saw a fistful of dollars, they clearly recognized that like, at least to some degree that this is the way things were going, or at the very least they looked at it and they liked elements of it that ended up becoming staples
1: Mm. because
0: it does. It incorporate it. It takes all of the existing tropes that were there, but when people would use those tropes later on, they didn't. You know, they didn't make another "the man who shot Liberty Valance." They made another "a fistful of dollars."
1: Yeah. Okay. But then a fistful, of, a fistful of dollars is basically just the Ojimbo. So like,
0: well, yeah. But I'm. But like, what I'm saying is that. I guess I guess by extension, Yojimbo has a lot of Western tropes in it that it just sort of like turns on its head. And A Fistful of Dollars communicates that somewhat and gets that across in the way that Sergio Leone can. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just like that is also Sergio Leone's first Western. And, you know, when A Few Dollars More comes out and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly those sort of perfect what he's trying to do with A Fistful of Dollars.
1: That's fair. I guess I just wish Yojimbo was more more recognized, if that makes well, sense, in general.
0: I mean, it, compared it is. To, I in, feel like it,
1: it deserves, Oh, well, at least in Western media. Because I've definitely, yeah. I've heard of A Fistful Devo- of Dollars. I haven't heard of Yojimbo, even though I've heard of Kurosawa's other movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, it's... it's <laughs> That's that's more of a personal thing, but
0: no, actually, I do agree because for me, that issue has always been uh, I've always sort of disliked how the Magnificent Seven is really, really, really well known, and the Seven and Seven Samurai is also well known. But when people think back on cla- on like the classic movies of the two, people that I know, and I mean, you know, this means my dad and his generation that grew up in on this continent. You know, they go to uh, they go to the Magnificent Seven way before they ever talk about the Seven Samurai because they've Mm -hmm. never seen the Seven Samurai because they were growing up when the Magnificent Seven actually came out here.
1: Yeah, that's I've definitely I, I think the Seven Samurai is really, really well known from what I can tell. Oh,
0: it is. It is. That's probably his. I would I would wager to say that that's Akira Kurosawa's best known movie, at least in the West.
1: Yeah. And I've I've definitely seen it adapted direct or pretty directly many times in like TV and stuff too. So yeah, and in movies, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just uh, I guess in general, I, I I liked I enjoyed both movies. I wouldn't say they're like the pinnacle of filmmaking or anything, but like they they offer some cool aspects that you don't really see in a lot of movies, especially nowadays. And um yeah uh i don't know i i i like them and i appreciate them but i I wouldn't say they're great i would
0: say yojimbo was really really good especially for what it is but like i thought it was a very well done movie um Mm. a fistful of dollars was also something that i enjoyed watching quite a lot
1: okay cool um i can appear you want to give a number to those
0: yeah i guess like for a fistful of dollars i'd give it like you know, probably a six. Um, and Yojimbo, I think I would put like a seven and a half or an eight on it. I'd, I'd put an eight on Yojimbo.
1: Mm, okay. I'll say this little Dollar is probably like like a four. And then like uh, Yojimbo, maybe maybe a f- five or a six, I guess. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I just I, I wish really... they
1: had aged a little better. But um, yeah, they, they do feel like old movies.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that at some point we do get to talk about Kurosawa again because, like, he's got so many movies, and he's got so many movies that I want to see. Like next time we talk about Kurosawa, we should talk about one of his ones with color and see like how it worked out.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I, I'd be cool to see how he incorporates color into his current like aspect of film or uh, cinematography. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, specifically. He has a movie that uh, it might have been his only one that was nominated for any Academy Awards. He adapted the Shakespearean play King Lear as a movie called Ran, which is which looks insane. It looks awesome. I've never seen it, but it just, mm. like, that movie, uh, that one has color in it, and the colors, like, look devastating. Whatever is going on in that movie is awful.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'd love to check something like that out.
0: Um so anyway, oh, uh so anyway, I think uh we consider ourselves serious movie critics. So I think it's time that we talked about Citizen Kane. So let's do that next time.
1: Yes, finally. I have heard so much about this movie and I know nothing about it or very little about it, and it Boy. it's it's interesting to me that Citizen Kane is, is so critically acclaimed despite uh, and, and still can like some people say it's the best movie of all time despite it being like was it like 40 no no not 40 like 80 years old at this point or something I think
0: it turns I think it turns 80 next year
1: yeah that's like that's that's crazy and I want to see if it actually holds up as well as people say because that would be very impressive
0: yeah um, so I guess get ready to hear both of us give Citizen Kane a 4 out of 10 <laughs>
1: 哈哈哈 <laughs>
0: Thank you.